to the Arcade Song Show. Jojo, welcome. Good to be back. Good haven't to seen see you in a minute. In the office. Yeah, yeah. I've been on the road, dude. Yeah, you've been, you circumnavigated the globe, and uh, I just flew around the United States for a while, you know. That's good. <laughs> you flew between New Haven and uh, San Diego. Yeah, well, you always want to do coast to coast to coast. I did uh, LA, New Haven, San Diego. So a lot of beach times on different parts. Yeah. Why on earth did you do that? Why we, did you go back and forth? We had a shoot for a collection dropping this week in Los Angeles that I went to, and then Mad Scramble, and then we shot the hardest fucking video of my entire life. Wait, did life. you come home? You were home for a couple days before you went to San Diego. No, I was home for 16 hours, and then I drove to see you at Tamarack the next morning. It just worked out perfectly on my birthday. My one day, my one travel day was my birthday. And then, but when and when the Mad Scramble tour was over, did you fly anywhere? Mad Scramble tour was over. You stayed here after you Nashville. and I went to Nashville, and I was here for the same amount of time you were. We flew out on the same day. And where did you go then? Then you went to San Diego. San Diego. And then you went back to Connecticut. Or no? And then I went back to Connecticut. Yeah. This is crazy. Do you have like a job in Connecticut that I don't know about? Yeah, it doesn't pay very well. That's the <laughs> only sad thing. It's just be a good son. What's a good son is your title? Yeah. Which son are you? I'm the third son. The last son. Yeah. The. Uh, Whatever the opposite of yel- eldest, youngest. I was going to yeah. say yeldest. Yeah. <laughs> yeldest son. The youngest son is usually just the one that gets, like, you get all the scraps. Yeah, a lot of hand-me-downs and uh, whatever sports and stuff, whatever interests. The worst part about being the youngest son is if the older brothers pick up instruments. Yeah. You have to, t- you, like, they have That's first pick. Now. Yeah. So they were piano and violin, and then they were like, why don't you play the cello? No one. Oh, I figured you would have just taken the, the violin because he already had one. No, because he was he had called violin. Oh, oh, really? He had yeah. like he had gotten dibs on the violin. Exactly, and and, and so ironic to, to the point where I was like, I'm not going to play the cello. I'm going to get a camera instead. Yeah, which is which is honestly play the camera. How it all happened. And you know, you can make a lot more money with a camera than you can with a violin. It all depends what kind of violin. Did I ever tell you the violin story? No, I haven't heard the violin. Would story. you like to hear the violin story? No, I'm, I'm this is I'm here to hear. Okay. Well, first we, of all, we here for you. <laughs> we here. If it is to be said, so it is. Uh, first of all, thanks to Lab Golf. Thanks to Secession. Thank you, season. Lab four. Golf, the main putter on the movie Secession, the show. Yep. It's many movies. Yep. Kendall Roy uh, is a big. Wow, the people listening are like, I thought we were finally done with the Succession no, <laughs> deep cuts. Um, Lapgolf.com slash remote fitting. We'll see you in a month in Oregon. Dude, very excited to hang with Sam. We've never met in person. Is that true? Yeah, never met in person. I met Sam at the Masters by accident. You had left the day before. Oh. He was walking in as I was walking out. And yeah. just just one of those golf moments. Wow, and it was just like, bam. How did you know it was him? I mean, it was Sam. It was, right. he, you know, I knew what he looked like. He doesn't look like he belongs at the Masters. He, him and I were the only two people there that Wearing didn't t-shirts. look. Yeah, and he had a he. I mean, he has style, man. He had black uh, painted nails. Yep. I'm trying to remember everything. I'm I'm taking it back. It's been forever. It it gets blurry. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it was nice to see him. And, and every time you there. get in a plane, they say you lose twenty percent of your memory. Don't say that. That's not true. <laughs> I won't. I won't happen to me today. Not going to get me today. If that was the case, by the way, there'd be nothing left of you. Yeah. You'd just be walking around as an empty vessel. So tell me the violin story. Violin story. Do you know what a Stradivarius is? Yes. If you're listening... Mozart's or like exactly. violin, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's an Italian Venetian violin master. They were made from this one grove of trees, and they just sound better than any other violin. Yeah. And one of my brothers went to music school for college, and... His best friend is the premier violin soloist in the world. 
She's okay. she tra- she's like in Dubai one week and then she's in Hong Kong the next playing for f- just ripping. Yeah, exactly. Ripping something that was written a thousand years ago. Nice. Ripping slowly. Yeah. I think is what's happening. And she and really she's very nice. Um, and she got a grant from the Tokyo government where they gave her a Stradivarius for okay. a year. And again, like yeah, a lone Stradivarius, which again they retail for like they don't retail. You can't buy one, but they're worth like twenty million dollars. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's like it's not like cars. This is like planes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, this was in twenty twenty. Right. Right at the beginning of twenty twenty. Oh, shit. Okay. So she's got the Stradivarius hostage because of a pandemic. Unfortunately, the Stradivarius has her hostage because, for tax reasons, she could take it from from Tokyo. Um, or Hong Kong, forgive me, I, I honestly don't remember which government, but it was a year lease because the second you keep it in another country for one day over a year, you have to pay VAT taxes on it. Whoa. And she would have, like they were saying she would have to or whatever. Whoa. So she got it, I think, in 2019, actually, and the deadline was shortly after everything happened. And so everything shut down, and she was going to have to pay like $400,000 yeah. if she kept it in there. And she's staying at my childhood home when this is happening. Because oh, wow. she lives in New York City, COVID hits. She goes out to stay with my family and my brother in Connecticut. And so she's practicing the Stradivarius in like my, my little home in the woods in Connecticut and just leaving it out places. And the Stradivarius story is, I don't think I can say this in my, my I think my dad sat on it. No. I think he did at one That thing's diesel, dude. I mean, I, I mean, think it's, it survived. It's hundreds of years old. Yeah, I think, I think it was okay. But I think she just left it out on a couch, and my dad yeah, actually dad sat. Just sit down, like he just sits wherever he wants. I mean, you've met my dad. Yeah. You know, he's he's waiting for the earth to move. Yeah, so to speak. Fair enough. Yeah, and uh, Stradivarius is in his way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hundreds of years old. You know, something's got to end. Yeah, I mean, that's just that. I wonder if it would have made a noise. <laughs> <laughs> no one's there to to hear it. Yeah, um, and then I think it all worked out. Okay. I think that's the end of the story. I was thinking you were going to say she had to like board some type of covert, you know, uh, aircraft to arrive in, you know, whatever country loaned it to her. I can not confirm or deny if maybe she, they, they broke the Stradivarius. Maybe they got a random violin and who knows? Maybe no one oh, noticed. Wow. Maybe who it's knows? like a heist. Is it a heist? Well, that'd be a great heist movie. Yeah. Like I'm such a sucker for stealing one thing that isn't money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it's yeah. like one jewel that's worth a lot. Yeah. When you said jewel, I thought of a vape. <laughs> how you been hey did you, go to, did you go to korea um how's like uh how's smoking going like didn't smoke you didn't i smoke? had like three cigarettes because that's that's hard right yeah but i kept it low-key you know okay fill in fill in anyone who's listening who might not understand what i'm talking about um because like i feel like when you travel to like, to asia or to somewhere like that it's hard not yeah, to smoke yeah cigarettes. so my name's eric uh <laughs> <laughs> former smoker yeah uh you know love golf love making videos mm-hmm. and um you know yeah so like uh, I've, I've, I've long battled with nicotine i you know i'm currently got like some lip function functionality in my lip but like or don't want to smoke right don't want to vape either it's really bad for you uh, just go to huberman right he'll tell you but the problem is when you're in another country um there is a lift on the ban Right. All the all the bands get lifted. Right. Like you can do all these things that you can't do at home. You can do it in another country like, you know, uh, whatever. And, and culturally in Asian countries, smoking is very popular. 
right? It's like it's like funner over is there. Is it indoors there or is it on the streets? Um, that's more Japan. Japan, okay. they smoke inside. And so, in fact, there's this neighborhood in Japan called uh, Golden Guy where there's all these little bars about the size of this podcast room. And you're not allowed to smoke outside the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and it is hard to breathe. It's like a sauna? Yeah. When we were in Japan, last time we were in Japan, I had my girlfriend with me who's like, you know, doesn't never had a cigarette in her life. And she was fucking dying in this bar because everybody's smoking inside, you know? Because in Japan, in Japan, you can't smoke on the street. If you want to smoke, you have to go into a phone booth on the street with other smokers. It's like in the airport. Oh, it's it's just like a law. Oh, it's a law, it's yeah. A, it's and a big time law. Big time smoking real. culture, but very illegal in many I places. Think that's part of the fetish, though, you know, like um, it's like the know. pufferfish thing. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna go like uh, do this thing that's like kind of not easy. It's it's harder to smoke than it is to not smoke. They make it hard, but you know. Anyway, yeah, Korea was good. Um, last night was a was a vibe. The last night in Korea, as, as always, look. The last night when you're on a trip, you really want to. You know, carpe, carpe diem, whatever the mm-hmm. carpe word. noctum. No, carpe noctum. You know, you seize the night. I could just see the fangs growing in your face as you're listening to this. But, um, you know, we had a great night. We went to a couple micro clubs. What's a micro club? <laughs> this is not planned. I'm, I did not know he was telling the story. And yeah, no, it's I mean, a wild thing. I didn't know say. what a micro club either yeah. was. I apparently like micro clubs, though. I didn't know that. But the club that I wanted to go to, in fact, we were hanging out with this group of guys, and, you know, most of them were new to me on the street and i said can we just go to the tunnel because the tunnel is apparently a micro club that i knew of and i was very fond of and one of the guys said how do you know about the tunnel hold on is it called the tunnel or are you translating it's called the tunnel yeah it's in english yeah i mean i'm sure there's like korean letters but if you say the tunnel the people around you are like wow yeah he was like how do you know the tunnel i was like i love the tunnel i was there for last year's anniversary party and he was like i'm an og tunneler (laughs) yeah and he was like, I'm a DJ, and, I, and I'm like a resident DJ of the tunnel. Like, we should go there right now. And I was like, absolutely. Anyway, five hours later, we ended up at the tunnel. But, um, you know, not before going to, like, a listening bar where they play, like, records and the speakers are the size of the ceiling. It's like the one we went to in Sweden. Yeah, my, one of my favorite things to do in the world. Yeah. Because it's just, like, it's one of the best places to go at the beginning of a night. Yeah. It's one of the few places where you can really talk to people. It's nice and quiet. And if you're meeting new people, which we often are when yeah. we're out the night before a flight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very similar to the Stockholm final night. Oh, it was such a good night. Yeah. Okay, so what is the tunnel like? The tunnel is about 1,500 square feet, mm-hmm. maybe a little less, and it's one of the loudest places I've ever been to. The ceiling is about seven feet tall, and it's just filled with you know the, the smoke that they create. Wait, is this the place you sent me? Because you, you sent me like five selfies from at like 2 a.m. or Did so. I send you a selfie? I think you sent like photos, nightclub photos or something. That's like where I was, yeah. iPhone photos. And yeah. it looked like you were in a oh, scene no, no, from that, John Wick. We were sitting in a table. That was one of them, yeah. That was the pre-party. That, that was, was a at listening the record room? listening okay. bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we made our way over to the tunnel. You know, it was just, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, you know, like, it's just amazing. I, I, I can't even really describe it. It's just like the music is so loud and the bass is so good that it's just like reverberating through your body. I saw this video the other day of a, of a plate on top of a speaker with sand on top of it. Have you seen this? I've seen things like this, but never seen The sand. sand forms a geometric shape. Just like moves. It's, and it like all of a sudden forms like a honeycomb or a yeah. heart or a diamond or a square. And like that's what's happening with all the cells in your body when you're listening to music like that. So like, you know, I, I just was loving it. And what's funny is like a lot of people I was with, it was like 2, 3, 4 a.m. They're like, I'm going to bed. And I was like, later. Like, I'm staying. And I stayed and I ended up making new friends. Is everybody else like drunk here or what's going on? Yeah, the one guy, everyone's totally fucked up. Yeah. Right, like absolutely off But not ass. you. No, I'm totally sober. Yeah, which yeah. I honestly, I'm impressed. Thank you. It's, well, a, it's, well, it's admirable to be in a space like that sober. 
Yeah, but it's not like like an American nightclub is uh, is sloppy. Mm-hmm. Everyone's spilling drinks and they're all over the place, and it's like about the pickup scene, and it's like da da da. In Korea, it's like, dude, if I bumped into somebody, they would like turn around and and like you know, if it was a girl, they would like walk away. Yeah, like in Korea, it's not like it is in America. Like you're not gonna meet cute someone by throwing your drink all over them. No, 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 no. You, yeah, no. This is like this is very much more like organized, very organized. Um, but the one guy I was with was actually sober, and he's he's a DJ, so he works in you know nightclubs or micro nightclubs. <laughs> How long did he make it in the night? Uh, we were together the whole time. Yeah, and then I left at like five thirty. What time was the flight? Come on. The flight was at eleven thirty. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I had more than enough time. Yeah, did you but get any sleep to, in or? No, I didn't sleep. No, I needed to go home and pack, mm-hmm. and then the airport is an hour from the hotel, and I needed to check out. And yeah, I was just like, yeah, I was like, it's time. Honestly, you know, you want to know what really happened? I sure fucking do. What really happened? Okay. All right. So I was there and my friend, this DJ, had introduced me to like this group and we're all hanging out. And there was two cute girls in the group. And uh, one of them, I was like talking to them. We were getting to know each other. We went to multiple clubs, multiple micro clubs throughout the evening. And it was funny because she was like, we were talking and she's like, how long are you here? We should hang out, blah, blah, blah. And then you know what happened? And I don't know if this is going to make it into the episode. But basically I was sitting there and it was like 5 a.m. And I was like, all right, my flight's in, blah, blah, blah. I could totally stay another day, right? Like I could totally change my flight. And I could have some, like, affair with this girl, right? It's just any other time, maybe. Changing that flight's intense. I mean, they have the same one the next day. <laughs> 11.45. For context, day. what, it's a 10-hour flight back to San Francisco? 11 to San Francisco and then 3 to Austin. Yeah. So, and then work the next day. Yeah, we'll come home and work on Monday. Yeah. Which, for the first time in a month. Okay. Okay, that's the context. Back in the office after yeah. five weeks being gone. And you're, and this is 4 a.m. when you're having this thought, or, or did you have your, this thought earlier? It was like, it was like a, between 4 and 5, I was okay. like, okay. Sun like, coming up or still pitch black? Uh, I mean, we're inside, so okay. I don't, I'm not seeing shit. Fair but enough. yeah, it's still dark outside when we go outside to smoke the one of the small cigarettes mm-hmm. that we had. But basically, like, this girl was really, like, I could, I was, like, connected to the girl. Like, she was a stylist. She had a great vibe. She's very interesting, very funny, cute and beautiful and um her friend was a little bit drunker and so her friend i was like walking around the club i went out i was going to go outside and her friend was like hey meet my friend i was like okay and i look up and it's this british dude or italian dude or something i don't know some non-korean guy and what's the breakdown generally in this part of town so we were in itaewon which is like more white people than anywhere else in this Korea. is still part of seoul yeah, yeah. Okay. It's actually the part of Seoul where that news happened last year when there was the trampling. Yeah. It was like the big tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because mm-hmm. Itaewon is very tiny, tiny streets with a lot of nightclubs. So at night, it gets kind of feverish, you know? And it is touristy when you say there's there's more I white people than other places? Tor- it's, it's, it might be kind of touristy in terms of the nightlife. Yeah. A lot of the people there are there on business or working in Korea as like English teachers. And I think on some level, I get pegged as an English teacher when I walk into some place. Which is funny because, I mean, like, you know. Have I ever told this to you? I've, I think I've told it to someone else. Someone's asked me what you would do if you weren't doing this. <laughs> and I said you'd be like a, like a politics teacher. I would love that. Like a, yeah. like a high school politics teacher. High school politics. Yeah, like, like current events or something, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, I mean, you know, we were in Norway. We got really interested in politics there and, and the, the business of government. I, I do have an answer for that. I think I'm working on an answer. But anyway... This girl was like, meet my friend. So I meet this guy, and he's just kind of angling, you know. And meanwhile, I'm there with like the DJ. I'm friends with the the guy who owns the club. Like, you have a flight in four hours. Things are things are happening. Yeah, and I'm coming back to this place. Yeah, like like this yeah. for me is now like I've been here. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is sort of like 
I've I've kind of been lucky enough to curate like a bit of a community in Seoul, right? And so we go to dinner. There's like ten guys there. Like they're are all like Korean entrepreneurs, and like I just love the vibe there. And so this guy was like angling. He's like, "Where's the after party?" Blah blah blah. Do Do you know where we're gonna go? Like this girl's cute. And I was just like, "Oh, I see, yeah." And I was like, "You know what I did? I walked outside, and I just left." Did you Irish goodbye? I just left the whole thing. The I just whole left. I texted her. I texted my friends. I said, hey, I got to go. I headed out. Have a great time. I'll see you in a couple months. Wait, did you walk outside knowing you were going to no. leave or did you walk outside? No, I walked outside around? and people were there and I just started talking to people and then I was like, oh, I'm going to go. See you later. And I just, and it was only half of the crew, but there was something about that guy that I ran into and the way he was engaging with the space as a tourist rather than a traveler. And, and what really struck me was that he wanted to take something. Oh, it's such an interesting distinction, tourist and traveler. Yeah. Wait, I mean, that's a Bourdainism, you know? I, I didn't, I'm not actually familiar with it. I mean, I, th- I, think, I think a tourist, right, you're, you're going to a place to, like, take, and you're also um, not really connecting with the local culture, the local community. Yeah. You're not planning on returning. Mm-hmm. There's no relationship involved with anything other than the tourism business industry. So as a traveler, you're there really on the ground level, right? Like you are, you are, you are taking the stairs, right? And you are taking the time to meet people and exchange numbers and and continue um, to be a part of that fabric that makes up that place. And and maybe by some by some like effort on your part and their part, you'll both change. Oh, a, a traveler might even give something. I think that's the goal, right? Yeah. yeah. And so like Random Golf Club has given something to Korea or left something in Korea. And like, you know, it's, it's part of the golf community there that we're trying to build. But yeah, anyway, meeting this guy and I just really, I just really saw like myself in that moment, just moments prior where I was like, I could change my flight. I could hang out with this girl. We could go get brunch, whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Like we could have a little escapade. Yeah. And then I was like, that's me trying to take like, why would I, why, why? Like I'm, I'm, I'm here for other reasons. Like I'm here for even a bigger reason. Like who knows why, but like I'm I'm certainly not here to do that. It almost feels like in that moment you're going against the not the current, but your the way that the universe has has propelled you through the last month. That would have been a choice that went against it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when we when we show up to the golf course, like why do we go? Like what do we need? You know what I mean? Like, 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 do we go to the golf course needing something or do we go to the golf course wanting to give something? And that comes down to like the dynamic between you and your playing partners, mm-hmm. the dynamic between you and the pro shop, you and the superintendent, you and nature, right? Like how many divots am I going to fix? How many smiles am I going to create? How many, how many, like how many people are going to make feel good about their own game and their lives? And how curious can I get about the things outside me? And so for some reason in that, nightclub that micro club in the middle of the morning i was just like yeah dude the 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 world where i'm like trying to like hook up with this girl is like not that right that that's like me trying to like hungry like i'm hungry for something and really it's just like i've had an incredible time i've met a lot of incredible people that have been very inspiring and like exchange numbers with all of them and like I'm going to see them again. And, I, and who knows? Like, maybe I will go back. And, like, under different circumstances, something arises. Yeah. Whatever. But, um, you know, because I, I don't know. I mean, I just think, you know, a lot of times, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly guilty of it throughout my entire life. Is a lot of times I feel like I'm going through a situation looking to acquire, 
or looking to looking to grab or yeah, take the, the transactional nature of of so many conversations. Yeah, yeah. Like, what can I get? And and I just think like, and then there's even the the, the, the more complicated one where when you meet a real sales pro, they're actually trying to give you something because of the boomerang. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me introduce you to that guy, and it's like, well, is it really a virtuous thing? Oh, the favor the favor wars. Yeah. That's that was a lesson I learned in my professional life where it was like, oh, that's why you're yeah, that's why you want to talk. That's why you're trying to give me something. Yeah. As a filmmaker, I'm sure you've had this experience. Have you had the experience where you've chosen not to capture something, to film something, um, because not not that just you're trying to keep it like pure or try to keep it for yourself personally, but because you feel like that experience is is worth having between you and the person and, and not having it be transactional. I feel like I'm articulating it poorly. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, I think like, <clears throat> I ran into this a couple of times this past weekend. Right. I'd, I'd be talking to someone who had been so kind and generous all weekend and I'd been filming them all weekend. Yeah. And then they started to say something really interesting. And, you know, I had the, I had the camera on the hip and I went to raise it. And then I was like, you know what? Okay. We'll just talk now. And then if I decide I need this, I, I'm sure we can get it again. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that the camera is actually one of the most selfless tools. Okay. Because you're saying, I'm going to work so that I can tell this to somebody mm-hmm. else. And what's the why? You're like, putting, why am I doing that? You're putting that barrier up between you and that person. I mean, it, I don't actually see it as a barrier. Mm-hmm. I see it as, um, as like, I think the camera brings you, you wouldn't have gone there without the camera. This is so true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the camera to me becomes like a, a magnet to a person or a story. Here's a thought experiment for you. Have you ever thought about what if you just done all of AIG without a camera? <laughs> like, like you got a Marfa Meets head on. How successful is the wrong word, but how many of the experiences you had on AIG do you think you could have had if you just went and did them? Now, the thing is, the camera shows that you're serious. To the to the listener, yep. to, to the second party, it show, it's like a giant ear. It's a passport mm-hmm. into their world. Hey, I have a question, and I'm going to record your answer because I want a lot of people to hear it. That's that's really profound for people. People people may say they don't want that, but they do. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's the, it's the podcast. I know we go in so many different directions, but on that note. I'm recording some players in a golf tournament this weekend. I can't wait for this to come out um, in the future. And there were a bunch of these Texan, you know, draws, these cowboys who, you know, don't want to be on camera, right? They, 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 it's not that they look down on it. They just, they're like, oh, I, I don't want someone recording me. I get that. And then I start filming these interviews with their friends who are willing and interested to do it. And then the cowboys start to kind of come to the edge of the frame and they go, you know, I could talk about that. And I'm like, would, would you like to? And they're like, yeah, maybe two minutes. And yeah. then they sit down, they're give them a microphone. They're like, I don't know how to put this on. You put this on me. Yeah. Lift up their shirts and, you know, clip it. And then the next thing they know, you ask them questions, three or four minutes. And then they're like, well, I could talk some more. Yeah. Do you have any more questions for me? Yeah. It's just a universal experience. It, yeah. One is being heard. Seen. Seen. Yeah. Pe- people don't even realize how much they need to be seen. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a universal need. Do you have a uh, one? Do you have one episode or or one person in mind? You don't have to say their name or anything that really didn't want you to record. And then Northwood, yeah, he didn't want to be on camera. Or no. he, and then what changed? What shifted? He didn't even want us to come. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, the Northwood episode, the 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 uh, the the um, big cypress trees, the sequoia trees. That that episode that did so well on Scratch, the episode of Adventures in Golf. Like Gaylord, the central you know character in the film, didn't even want us to come. In fact, he was trying to reschedule it, and he was like, "We don't have time. Come another day." And I was just like, "No, we're coming tomorrow, and we'll figure it out. We'll make time." And, you know, like he was definitely like didn't really want to be on camera, which, look, if anyone can relate to, it's me. Yeah. (laughs) But I would say having someone on camera that doesn't want to be, that feels like they have no story and isn't super open to talking is the perfect, the perfect ingredients for a great character. Because the last thing you want is someone who feels like they do belong on camera and has a lot to say. Because that person, you can't shut up. But I would much rather have a quiet person that is shy and doesn't want to be on camera that you can pull out of it because that's more of a dance. Whereas the other one, you're blocking. You're doing like defense because you're just like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, I'll tell, I, I promise I will ask you the questions. <laughs> you know. I watched Northwood last week, actually. I, I meant to watch a couple minutes and then, of course, I, I watched just about the whole thing. And he has that great moment where you ask him what um, Mackenzie's quote on the inexorable law of gravity is. Yeah. Do you remember what he says? You know, he <laughs> <laughs> he says something like, "We all die." Yeah. What what goes up? Yeah. Yeah. Must so come down. down. Yeah. So it it is amazing that so often those characters are the best on camera. Yeah. Because they're just themselves. Yeah. Yeah. There is no veil. And 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 like going back to Bourdain, like I I wasn't a big Bourdain fan while he was alive. His death impacted me. We were actually shooting AIG in uh, Death Valley, of all places. And um, I remember he passed away, and I remember thinking, like, man, I, I thought we were going to meet. I just thought we were going to meet, and, and even though he didn't like golf, he said this much, I still thought that there would be some connection point for the work that we are driven to create. And um, But, like, after his death i started getting into his work and i realized like wow there is a lot of commonalities here and um the one thing that uh you know like where where, where were we i like totally lost it the what were we talking about the law of gravity the law of gravity Um, oh well the, the last thing was is that like you know from what i can understand i don't think Bourdain intended any of these things to happen i don't think he really wanted to be on camera and and if you watch some of the outtakes it's like the last thing he wants to do is like a second take. And that's probably because then it's not real. He was only interested in filming reality. And on some level, we do that with AIG. I mean, I, there are some parts of it where we have to redo and, and mock it up. But like for the most part, it's like, how real can we make this thing? Yeah, I think if you could have like a drone that was cinematic enough and could actually just follow around and then just capture the experience, I think you would do that. Yeah. You've threatened to sell all of our equipment before. <laughs> well, I tried to do an iPhone episode season. Yeah, the Steven Soderbergh approach. Just iPhones, dude. If, if you're that. listening along, yeah. We're, we're th- we'll think about it on the break. When we come <laughs> back, um, I want to talk about the most exciting thing we're dropping all year. Two of the most exciting things it's, it's in the next big week. big deal. Yeah. Is our first ketone ad? It doesn't feel like it. It feels like I've had a relationship with ketone IQ my entire life. <laughs> I mean, I will tell you, like, Mad Scramble Tour was fueled by Ketone IQ. No, but I mean, if you're wondering what the fuck this ad is about, let's just back up a second. Have you ever heard about ketosis? You've heard about it, right? I'm, I just know about keto diet. I don't know anything. Yeah, about keto it. diet. Yeah, same thing. You basically, you basically, like, fast for a period of time, and then it creates, like, a ketosis in the brain. Well, this crazy guy invented 
this thing called ketone IQ, which is a beverage that you drink that has like ants ate sugar, then they got melted and then they turned into a pool of liquid. Then that got stuck into a jar that you drink. And it basically, it, it doesn't taste good, but it tastes good. It tastes like it works. I think that's the best way to put it. It tastes like it works. That's a tagline. <laughs> it does. It tastes like you wouldn't be drinking this for any other reason but exactly, for the effect that it's having yeah. on your body. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, like tequila. Like, does the tequila taste good? It depends, but in, in, the way it tastes good is the way that ketone IQ like tastes good. Work. It's like, oh, wow, I'm going to feel this particular way, T minus now. Yeah. Yeah, and so with Ketone IQ, absolutely. Um, comes in little shots. It's an incredible product, and, and like, it... It really, I would love to go back to that first two times I had it where like my body started itching because it was just so excited. My body was like, I'm alive. Yeah. And uh, you can take it to re-energize. You can take it before a round of golf if you're feeling groggy for an early morning tea time or at the end of the day, if you're feeling down. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you something? What? Can you just give me five ketone IQ, just quick little one-liners, like, like jet fuel for the soul? Anything you got off the top of your head? I mean, here's the thing. When I when I take ketone, all of a sudden I understand why I'm here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like on the planet. Like it's a spiritual beverage. Spiritual beverage. Yeah, okay, there that's, you go. That's a pretty good, good one. one. Second thing, when I take ketone IQ, I become like the Hulk, but you can't tell. Sleeper Hulk. Sleeper Hulk. Okay. Yeah. Like it's basically Liam Neeson, but no cameras rolling. Okay. That's three. I think that's all we need. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then also I would say ketone IQ, it clears the paint off of your tummy. Nice. You know, like it really cleans up the tummy. Yeah, it's a primer. Yeah, it's basically like if you're feeling kind of messy inside, take a ketone IQ and it cleans it up. Just liquefies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just burns it off. Uh, ketone IQ. Uh, in order to... Also, they're good friends. Like they're hosting... Keffer's doing a Break 80 series brought to you by Ketone IQ. Amazing. Where? It's all over. We're doing it episode by episode on social. That's incredible. Yeah, so check in if you want to see if Keffer can touch the 70s. And uh, you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash RGC. hvmn.com slash RGC. 30% off changing your life. Prize picks. Fucking prize picks. The largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and I've got it right here. Yeah, I was out on prize picks, and then I tried it. And you're like, now I'm in. Well, because I don't love gambling. Yeah. To be totally honest, but this isn't the kind of thing where I have to know now get like a master's degree in Moneyball. It's really easy. You just bet over or under on everything. That's the best. Part. Russell Wilson, two hundred and thirty-one passing yards next Sunday versus Miami. Over or under? That's under for sure. You think he's not going to make the it? Two Wilsons this That's year. A lot. Zach Wilson, Russell Wilson, breaking my heart. The first one. Yeah. Yeah. Dak Prescott, two twenty-seven passing yards against uh, Arizona. Arizona over. Over. That's an over for sure. I'm normally an over guy. Like Mahomes, 300 passing yards versus Chicago. I mean, again, oh, with the way well, the way Justin Fields has been playing, I would take the over on that just because wow. you feel like the offense is going to be on the field a lot. I mean, head over to Prize Picks. It's the most fun you can ever have, earning earning 25x your money this football season. Um, yeah, and there's players and stat types that you can select. You can highlight your winnings from Prize Picks and share how fun and simple the experience is playing the game. It's just cool. It, it because it's fantasy. It's a lot more easy to to just go game by game and decipher. And then honestly, the odds have been pretty good. Yeah, um, I've been betting on soccer. Yeah, uh, just have. But I want you know. Yeah, exactly. Thank yeah. you. But I want you know. Yeah, messy this week, and um, 
Yeah, I would recommend just following along. Let us know how your picks go. Uh, download the app. and Anyway, go to prizepicks.com slash show and use the code show for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepicks.com slash show and use the code show and get a first deposit match of up to $100. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. PrizePicks. Breaking Pebble Beach, right? I mean, you've asked for it. You've asked for Breaking Pebble Beach. Now we have it. It's here. It's a real thing. Yeah, for years you've been asking for it. Um, I'm pretty fucking stoked. You made it happen. Well, I don't know about that. The USGA made it happen. You willed it. You, you grabbed a hammer and a chisel, and you went out there and you chiseled out the cypress tree with the RGC logo let's, on it. Let's talk about the uncomfortable truth. I think that's that's fair here. What's the uncomfortable truth? The uncomfortable truth is we shot a breaking series in Cabo that I fucking love. Yeah. I really like that. I think it's possibly, probably the best shot one we've ever had. I think the personalities are amazing. The two biggest pieces of feedback were no one knew what the course was. Yeah. And they wanted less influencers. And like that was what people kept saying. And one of them I don't agree with. I think that we put the people in front of the camera who are authentic with the brand. We had someone there who <laughs> didn't have any Instagram followers. I don't think he had an Instagram account. Sam. And Sam. Okay. And uh, I thought that, I just thought that that, w- that was misunderstood the reason of why we go out and, and try to share these courses with people. But the first point, which I even heard internally, was no one gives a fuck about this course. The Breaking Series is about bucket list, recognizable postcard golf courses. Yeah. And that's not to say we're, we're not going to continue shooting things like Breaking Cabo because we'd love to. We'd love to yeah. show you places you've never been. And I love the people who have told me, wow, I want to go play Solmar, yeah. which was a great course. But Keffer told me at the beginning of the year, don't do that again. And I said, okay, what course would you want to see a Breaking Series at? And he said, Pebble Beach, but you can't make it happen. Challenge. Challenge accepted. So thank, thankfully, Eric has... Um, Eric has, I'll say it because he, he would never say it, but Eric, um, Eric's name carries some weight in the, uh, in the golf world. So I just, I just asked people on that. <laughs> I just said, See, Eric wants to Eric come. Eric wants to come. No, no, I didn't say that at all. But we have a great relationship with the USGA and they were, they were very, very generous and had us out. Um, they are very generous. And we're excited to continue doing that next year. Um, you called two people from Sweden. Where were we, Finland or Sweden? We might have been in Finland. I don't know what you're talking about. When you called two RGC members and invited them along. Oh, yeah. That was wonderful. Yeah. Mikey and Justin, they got the call. We were in Finland. Yeah. They didn't believe it. No. I mean, it, like, why would you believe that? You know? We FaceTimed them. That was a fun time. That was fun. You know? And then, of course, like, just two weeks later, we were together, like, in person playing Pebble, which was just a crazy experience. And what's cool is Mikey and Justin are both bag tag holders. So they had you know, gotten their bag tag, early adopters of RGC, care about where the brand is going, what the mission of the brand is, and to the point where they, you know, adorned their bag with the with the mark of membership. And so very cool to be able to, like, celebrate with them on the golf course through the highs and the lows. Um, you know, you'll see in the video, but, like, it's not just, like, go out and play golf. Like, the breaking series is, like, it's a real challenge, and a that's real the test. point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it came out beautifully. The course showed up. It was windy as hell. It was pretty windy, yeah. And we went out and we started on 10, 
which we, you and I were like a little, uh, we're not sure about this going in. And I think it's, it's not a spoiler to say what happened with the routing. I mean, you end up, if you start on 10, that means you end on nine, which means that your last holes are six, seven, eight, nine. And like, I don't think many people get to play those holes of the hours that we got to play them. Just a beautiful sunset we were given. And, um, and of course, I think a pretty common for the breaking series, you start playing better as you go on. Mm -hmm. And so we were, we were playing pretty well towards those final holes. Yeah. What a time. Couple birdies. Um, I'm not going to tell you who, who hit the green on seven. You'll have to watch to find out. I can say I did not. I did not. Yeah. Neither did, uh, well, you'll have to see if Kefford did, (laughs) but, um, it's coming out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this coming week. So. Very excited to share it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the breaking series is something that we love doing, and I know that, like, you love watching it. So, um, yeah, really excited to take you along on the ride. What's coming out before that, though? Yeah, so Friday is kind of something that we've been working on for a while in some in some regard. You know, we're talking about it's an apparel collection that's launching called Carpe Corsum, and it's all aimed at you know, this kind of experience that we have with golf that lives outside of most of the ways that we measure an experience in golf, right? It doesn't, doesn't really reside in a stat or a swing or even like the contact with the ball. It's this experience that's kind of like on a secondary pathway just next to the game that we play. And it, it's kind of centered around, there's this great quote that I heard. Um, you heard of Ram Dass's? The guru? Yes. So Ram Dass, huge golfer. Yeah, that surprised me yeah. when you first told me this. So I found this video of him talking about golf from the 90s at Stanford. And he basically has this hour-long talk. And in it, like kind of the crux of all of it is this idea of the dharmic person, which is to say a dharmic person is a person living in accordance and harmony with the universe. Um, they, they would, um, pursue an action without over identifying with the actor. So they're kind of existing outside of a self, if you will. Like, it's like, we're recording a podcast, but we're not podcasters. And that creates a lot of freedom and playfulness around the action that you're doing. And then also, if you do that, you then don't over identify with the fruits of the action. So, oh, how many people listen to the podcast? Oh, I don't know. I'm not a podcaster, right? It doesn't matter. Right. Like all of a sudden the results just sort of drift away in this like, you know, kaleidoscope of like mental thought. But he basically says at the end of it, like, try playing golf without being a golfer. Yeah, that's genius. And you just sort of like you just sort of like don't identify with the fruits of the golf. You ever have that one of those tips that makes you want to go like I want to go drive to a golf course right now. (laughs) I mean, like when someone says the thing that you're like, oh, fuck, I need to use that instantly. Yeah, of course. Like the best some of the best poets of all time were just people. Yeah. You know, they weren't like, oh, I'm a writer. Yeah. Oh, I'm a poet. Yeah. I just I just like writing words. I just say how I feel. Yeah. They, They were just living. They were just alive. That's all they were doing. Tell them. Who Ram Dass is is even more interesting than that. I don't know his story, but, you know, I know he wrote Be Here Now, which is okay. a book that I have. you seen it? I've never actually read it, no. Just the quick version of it is it's a square book that is can be read from any angle. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of, like, drawings and tapestries, and you can read it upside down, and it's still, it's still legible. There's still words that you can read. And so it's all about this idea of the present moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty wild book, and it's like fucking. It's like a. It's like a phone book. 
Oh, it's like a thick tome. Yeah, and the pages are mad thin, though. They're like uh-huh. tissue paper, and it's just like there's just like thousands. It's of like pages. something you don't really read; you just kind of experience it. You just kind of absorb it. You kind of yeah. t- you do take some acid. You read the book, you, but you're not a reader. You <laughs> <laughs> and then he's he joins the the long list of people who you're like that guy golfs. Yeah, yeah, and he loves it. And so, I mean, like this this apparel collection is named Carpe Corsum because the whole idea of you know, I, I believe the whole idea of playing golf is an exercise in being alive, right? And so, like, a lot of times I think we go out there and we kind of, like, die. We get, like, kind of selfish out there and we kind of focus on the wrong things. And so Carpe Corsum has been to say, hey, dude, this might be your last time on a golf course. So please, please, like, let's focus on something that is going to be, like, um, rejuvenating or, like, inspiring or, like, you know, sustainable for the game. And going back to like a little bit into Ram Dass's story and this whole kind of like journey that I had, like when I got into golf, um, I was surprised that I loved it. I didn't think I would like it and that's fine. And then a couple months go by and I come across this book called Zen Golf, which is like my main recommendation. If you haven't read it, please read it. It's a great book. Um, sort of small chapters, micro chapters. And um, they're all aimed at like bringing you into more harmony with your own golf game as a human on earth playing a silly game. And, you know, I ended up meeting the author and going on retreats with him. He's a Buddhist, uh, you know, um, Tibetan Buddhist. And I you know, started like engaging in this like golf experience that was very much more about meditation and mindfulness. And so for me, like, you know, you may have heard of Be the Ball. It's a film that like isn't out yet. I don't know where the fuck it is. Like we're working on it, whatever. But like this concept of, you know, like golf being an opportunity to experience or express or learn about mindfulness is like very much in my own experience. And hey, what's funny is if you watch Breaking Pebble on Monday, you'll see old Eric just like getting thrown around by the game, like a like a like a kite in the wind, you know, just like caught up in the game like and, and Ram Das like we're going to post a link to this film that he made to this talk he gave but basically he's like he's like talking about how like I love playing golf and then watching myself get caught up I get caught up into a bumbling thing or like I'm not very good or I'm great or I can do the shot or I should have been able to do that and like we all just get caught up on the golf course in this like just like this just like hamster wheel of like unnecessary thoughts that aren't really related to what's actually happening which is I'm in a field and I'm going to hit this thing over there and however many strokes it takes me, I'm going to get it in the hole. But all of a sudden now I have a goal and I'm going to over identify with being a golfer and I'm going to over identify with the results of the action. What the fuck am I doing? This is literally my Saturday. I paid to be here. No one gives a shit what my results are. Why do I care so much? That's Carpe Corsum. And the collection itself (laughs) Oh, the apparel's fucking the apparel's fire. Fine. <laughs> the apparel's fire. We got a new designer on board. Um, it's really exciting. We've got, uh, you know, Tristan. We've got a whole new apparel department. I don't know if you noticed, but, like, some of the stuff we're going to start coming out with this fall is, like, a totally different viewpoint, totally different aesthetic. Quality's better. Um, very excited. Like, I love the color palette that we're working with now. And, you know, it's pants. It's polos. It's long sleeve polos. There's some jackets, hats, um, head covers, of course. And, um, there's even a, uh, a, a, uh, Q-zip, a 
Well, there's a quarter zip, but yeah. also there's like there's oh, like, the a, wind... like a gentleman's jacket. Yeah, yes. It's like a real like it's, it's a really different collection for random golf clubs. So really excited to share it with the world. We put a lot of energy into it, and it all goes back to where this whole thing started at Random Golf Club, which is golf and mindfulness, seize the day, play for something bigger than you. Yeah, if I could say anything about the clothing itself, it's the first it's really the first series of, of the new silhouettes of yeah. the new types of clothing that, that we're now working on. It's somehow something I would want to play to use on the course, something I'd actually want to golf with, oh, totally. but also something I'd like to wear off the course more. Yeah. Which is like, it really threads that needle. I love the quarter zips. Yeah. You see, I rock them. You can't stop wearing I rock the cream one all the time. The only time. reason you're not wearing it now is because it's in the wash. It's actually true. Yep. <laughs> He's not wrong. Um, and the, the polos, they're great tech polos, of course. I mean, we found some great people to do that. But the, uh, I I'm, I'm really love the jacket. And, and there are just some, just some notes about it that just feel cool. Yeah. So we're psyched about it. It drops at the end of this week, randomgolfclub.com. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love it. I like, I've been waiting to like release it on the wild. So get ready. Yeah. You might have seen a couple of clips of Eric wearing the hat. And I can't stop wearing it. Okay. It's good to be back, man. That, yeah, it is good to be here, man. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's a nice little nice little day in the office here. Yep. Anything uh anything else you want to share with the audience? Anything going on in your life? Oh, I feel like it's I don't, know. <laughs> I, I don't have anything. Like a leading question. Yeah. Um We are filming another breaking series soon, so I mean, the, the crazy thing is like Right now, we have an app with 12,700 people using it. Yeah. And it's all about golf. It's all about random golf clubs. So if you haven't checked out the app yet, please download it and get involved. We're going to be at plans for Mad Scramble Leg 2, um, Phoenix, Vegas, San Diego, LA, San Francisco. Um, we're going to be doing two nights in a lot of those cities. So we're also going to be experimenting with a new format, the I, random classic. I was given a deliverable today, and we're working hard at it. So... Uh have like a tournament basically we we you and i talked about this at tobacco road and, and we've been wanting to make it happen for a while yeah yeah so you got you got your formats you got you got an a and a b format to, to experiment with i have some thoughts around it yeah. i mean we were experimenting on the first leg if you were there and if you weren't expect some videos coming from it but we did a 25 v 25 oh that was fun in Montauk. if you think about it it's like how there was a result there was, was a winner a there was a winner i was and, on the losing oh team sad oh, the uh the chip do you remember the chip? How could anyone forget? We also did the four versus 100, and we're going to redo that with a tour player yeah. at some point. So get excited for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just damn. It's just a good time to be alive. Good time to be fall and a golfer. It's a good time to be in Austin. Yeah. yeah the yeah. temps are crazy cool. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to go go outside now. So. Yeah, cool. I'm going to go outside too. Yeah. Nice talking to you. See you guys. Have a great weekend. <laughs>